0: There's a story of an old rabbi that lived just outside the second century city of Capernaum. The rabbi lived just outside the city in a small village. And um, he had been in the village to get supplies. And on his way back home, he was in deep thought. And when he came to the fork in the road, he accidentally went to the right which was the wrong path to lead him home. But he didn't realize it until he came to a city wall. And this deep voice came out of the darkness and said, Who are you and why are you here? And the rabbi stopped and he realized that he was outside of a Roman fortress, which was a military barracks and He realized that it was actually the sentry on duty that was talking to him. And then he realized what he said to him. And he looks up to the guard and he says, How much do they pay you? And the guard just repeats back to him, Who are you and why are you here? And the small rabbi looks up again and says, how much do they pay you? So the guard gives in, and he doesn't want to cause any trouble with the rabbi, so he says, two drachma, which is about $50 in today's money. And the rabbi looks up at him, and he says, I will double your salary if you come to my house and you stand at my door outside of my home and you ask me those two questions every time I leave my home, who are you? And why are you here? Well, those two questions are very important questions. I believe that followers of Christ... And those who attend a body or a church need to understand, need to have an awareness of. These next three weeks, I want to focus on the second question: the "Why are you here? Why aren't you here?" Leaders in the church have done a very poor job of communicating and, and holding believers To have a biblical understanding of why we're here. What does it mean to be a part of the body of Christ? What does it mean to be a follower of Christ? I had some conclusions that I came to and I formed a hypothesis. But for a hypothesis to be worth anything, have any value, it has to have data to support it. So like any good research person, I decided I needed to get some data. So this is the second time that I've done this. So I posted the question on Facebook to all of my friends. And I asked, if someone were to come to you and talk to you about membership, what is the first thing that comes to your mind? Don't think about it. Don't dwell on it. What's the first thing that comes to your mind? There wasn't any right or wrong answer to this question. Because I know that some people are automatically going to think, well, he's a pastor, church membership. That's what he wants to know. But I knew other people would just think membership in general. And so there was no right or wrong answer. But I wanted to see if people had a negative viewpoint of membership or a positive viewpoint. I came to my own conclusions, and the hypothesis that I had formed was that people would view membership as something that was all about what's in it for me. I concluded that people view membership as something to be a benefit primarily for their own life and has very little um, Very little, and it has very little to do about anyone else. But it's about, what is it for me? That was kind of my conclusions about membership. The views that people would have about membership prior to me getting results. And so not only on Facebook, but I also asked some friends what they thought. So do you think people had a positive Viewpoint or a negative viewpoint of membership in general? Church membership, club membership, whatever membership. What do you think? Positive or negative? Negative. Exactly. (laughs) Good call. But I was able to not just get people's answers, but because I knew who the people were that I was talking to... I was able to get more information from who they were and how they answered. So here are some of the results that I got. Being a part of something. Okay. To belong to something. A family. Teamwork. I love that one. I whoever said that I wish they would like preach because that teamwork's perfect. Responsibility, commitment, A contract, fees, benefits, privileges that we receive, entitlement, gym. A gym, like gym, not gym, but gym membership. Golf. (laughs) And that wasn't Jim who filled that one out either benefits for only those in the organization exclusiveness part of an elite group what's in it for me but the number one answer and i love it because they proved my point country club people think of clubs People think of benefits that we get to receive, that it's about us and what do we get. So as I looked deeper to look at who said these things, I found some results. And here's some things that I learned. The actively involved, the more actively involved a person is in their church influenced how they felt about membership. The more active a person was, the more positive their viewpoint of membership. The more active they were in church, the more positive their view of membership. Age had a significant influence on people's viewpoint towards membership. The older and longer a person attended a church, the more positive their viewpoint. The younger the person was, regardless of their church activity level had a negative influence on their viewpoint. So if they the younger someone was, regardless if they attended church or not, they tended to have a negative viewpoint the younger they were. And so looking at this, we realized that when we use words to define things, we have to think about how people understand them because when we say church membership people are thinking well what am I going to have to do how much am I going to have to pay to be a part of this so I want us to look at what is membership what is biblical membership for the body of Christ I'm convinced that we really don't know like I said, pastors have and leaders of churches have done a very poor job of communicating what it is. First, let's look at what membership is not. The first thing membership is not, it's not a country club. Membership is not an exclusive thing. All people are welcome. Jesus died for all people not just for the people who come to church. It doesn't matter who you are. In James chapter 2, starting in verse 1, James writes, My brothers and sisters, believers believers in our glorious Lord and Jesus Christ must not show favoritism. Suppose a man comes into your meeting wearing a gold ring and fine clothes, and a poor man in filthy old clothes also comes in. If you show special attention to the man wearing fine clothes and say, here is a good seat for you, but say to the poor man, you stand there or sit up on the floor by my feet. Have you not discriminated against, discriminated among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? We're, We're not to place value On certain people over other people the person who pays their tithe is no less important or no more important no less important than the person who doesn't being a member does not make you better than someone else I was talking with one family who belong to this small country church, and this is actually a family member, and their process for membership is the pastor will ask, so who would anyone like to be a member of the church? If you do, stand up and you know, raise your hand. So if someone stands up, the pastor will ask the congregation, you know, he'll ask the person their name, yada, yada. Is there anyone here that believes that so-and-so should not be a member? Please speak. Of course, this is, no one's ever said anything. Okay, yeah, exactly. Sign on the dotted line. You're in. Great, let's go. That's not Membership. It's not a sign on the dotted line type of thing. That is not biblical membership. It's not about the perks and privileges. Also going with that, the next one. It's not about entitlement. It's not about us getting what we think we should get. Why hasn't the pastor visited me? Why hasn't the pastor done this? Why hasn't the church done this? I've gone there for so many years and I've been faithful to them. Why haven't they done anything for me? We get this sense that because we are here, that we're owed something. That's not why we're here, is it? Tom Rainer, who's the president of Lifeway. He says, we join our churches expecting others to serve us, to feed us, and to care for us. That's why I don't like calling church a service. Because there's this mindset that we come to be served rather than to serve. Tithing is not your dues or fees. There are no fees to being in a church and being a member. Tithing is what you do because you believe in Jesus Christ. You do because God commanded us to give our first fruits to him. Membership is not a status issue. Biblical membership is not something to be attained to gain power, to serve on a church board, or to have a vote in what goes on in the business of the church. Those who are considered members are not any different than the people who are not considered members. Members. If you are a member of this church and you have been here for 60 years, you have no greater value than the bum that comes in off of the street. Because they have just as much value as you do. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that you aren't valuable. But I'm saying we need to understand that membership isn't about Having power one of the things pastors hear a lot going back to the ties that people give their ties and they they've been a part of a church for a long time and they begin to think that i'm I, this church owes me something, so pastors hear the comments quite a bit well if you don't I'm going to take my money and go somewhere else. Go ahead. Because last time I checked, God owns your money and He will help us. Your money has no weight here if you want to throw it around. See, it's not about what we're entitled to. It's not a class you take. Yes, I am a pastor, and I just said that. It's not about a class you take. I've struggled with this. Well, if I just teach you all of the church history, the, 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 the history of Trinity, the history of the United Methodist Church, and you know the doctrines that we stand for, you understand them, okay, thank you, sign on this line you come before the church, you answer a few questions, bada bing, bada boom, you're in. And then that's it. There's nothing else. But listen. Am I saying that we should not understand the history of the church? No. Am I saying that we should not have an understanding of the theology and doctrines of the church? No. No. But it's more than just simply taking a class. It's not about a list of rules and regulations. We think that because we're a member, we're going to have to do all of these things and follow all of these rules, and if we break them, they're going to kick us out. No, it's not. You see, the church, the United Methodist Church, has a book that it's called The Discipline. And a lot of people think that those are the rules that we have to follow and it, we can't be members if we don't follow those, every single one of these rules. But you see, they're guidelines. The church looks and says, what things can be stumbling blocks for people? What things and lifestyles do we want people to stay away from So that they can have a a life focused on Jesus Christ. Not, well, if you do this, you're out. It's funny because we think that the discipline is wrong. And we don't like having disciplines because it's a bunch of lists and rules and regulations. But the thing is, if you happen to read this book, it's called the Old Testament. And God gave Moses these rules and regulations. No, he gave them these guidelines to help the Israelites stay focused on God. It wasn't about being a dictator and ruling over people, but it was about keeping them focused on Him. Because God knew if they did these things, if they worshipped other gods, they weren't focused on Him but how can we focus on Him? It's not rules and regulations. In 1 Peter chapter 2, Peter says, Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that though you... Though, ugh, That though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day that he visits us. It's not about the rules and guidelines that you have to follow, but it's about a lifestyle that glorifies God to the people who don't know him. Does your life point to God? And the last one, membership is not... Being a CEO Christian. A Christmas and Easter only Christian. That does not make you a Christian. That does not make you a member of the church if you show up occasionally. So what is membership? What is biblical membership? Well, here's what the United Methodist discipline says. And this is after I polished it up and made it all pretty for you so that you can actually understand it. And it's not written in King James. Um, So here it is. I will faithfully participate in the ministries of my church with my prayers, presents, gifts, and services, service, and witness. Got that? Everyone know everything that that covers. Do you understand what that means? I didn't think so. That is so vague. That's like a preschool version of what biblical membership is. And in my opinion, the discipline does a horrible job of it. And yes, I'm being recorded. I did say it. It, I don't like it. So let's look at what biblical membership is. The first mark That I see of being the mark of the way is what I call it. Because the disciples in the first churches that were established. established, They were considered followers of the way. Because it was about the way that they lived their lives. The way that they reflected Christ. It wasn't about being a Christian. It wasn't about being a member. But it was about being a follower of the way. So the first mark of the way is having faith and believing that Jesus Christ lived and died and rose again. If we can't have faith, if we don't have faith, being a member has really no value to you or any of us. Mark one fifteen. Jesus says, The time has come. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. Repent, turn, to turn away from an old life and to turn toward the new. To have faith must be the center of our life. I, I put this in a triangle to represent the Trinity, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Jesus is not just a good teacher. He's not just a good person. He was not just an ordinary man. He's the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through him. And it's in believing that statement, it's in believing those words and believing in Jesus Christ that is the core, the foundation of membership. The second aspect of biblical membership is baptism. Baptism is an outward action of an inward transformation. There are some people that will argue with you and say, you have to be baptized to go to heaven. I don't believe that's what it says. You see, baptism was a sign to the people around you of what Christ has done in your life. When the people go down into the water, it's a cleansing of the old person, and when they come up out of the water, it's a symbolizing that the person has become new in Jesus Christ. It's about what Christ has done in you. On August 18th, we're going to have a party we're going to have a baptism party. And we're going to celebrate people outwardly expressing what Christ has done inside of them. And we're not going to do the little dinky little bowl and sprinkle and nothing, no water gets on you and anything. We're doing the dunking stuff. We're doing the all in, get wet, soaking wet, and Jesus Christ all over you stuff. I don't know where it's going to be yet, but that's to be determined, and it will be on August 18th, so count on it. The third mark of the way is discipleship, to become a learner of Christ. To to be a person that seeks to know all that they could possibly know about what it means to represent, to resemble Jesus Christ in this world. To want to be Christ. Will we ever attain that? No. But we must seek to be like Him, to love like Him. To listen like him. To see the world like he does. To want to know what his word says. To be a part of other people learning. Because there are things that you have learned that I haven't learned yet. There are things that you have gone through that I haven't gone through yet. In Acts chapter 2, starting in verse 42, it says, They devoted themselves, they being the disciples, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. They devoted themselves to, to understanding, to learning about what the Word of God says, and to the fellowship, and to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. because of who they were as the community, as disciples of Jesus Christ, seeking to love each other, to be part of a community, because they did that, they influenced the people outside the community. People actually liked Christians instead of thinking that they're a waste of time. They have nothing good to say. Why go to church? But They were interested. They were drawn to the disciples. But then the last part, it says, and the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Notice that it does not say that they added converts to their number. They didn't add people that were different than them. They added people who became like them disciples. Note that it doesn't say the apostles made more disciples, but the disciples were making other disciples. That would be like you guys teaching other people what the Word of God said. That would be you guys praying for people who you, need, you know need prayer, even though they're not a believer. It's you guys influencing your neighbors the way I can't. They don't know me. They don't care what I say on Sunday morning. But they're watching you. They care about what their neighbor's doing. It says they add disciples. But they were intentional about growing in their faith. It wasn't, I'm just going to go to Sunday morning church. they ate together daily. You ever run into someone at a restaurant and act like you've never seen that person before? Who are, who are, don't I go to church with you? Hey, you go over there and eat, I'll eat over here. No, they said, pull up a chair, come on over, have a meal with me. They genuinely cared about what was going on in each other's lives. That Sunday school class that you think is boring? How can you make it better? What, what if you ask all the hard questions that actually made the rest of the class think? Well, I don't, Sunday school just isn't my thing. I, I prefer a small group. I wish the pastor would start a small group. Stop. Hold on. Why don't you start a small group? It's really hard to do. Call up the people you know, invite them over for a cookout. Tell them, hey, we're going to do a little Bible study or we're going to read this book together. Would you be interested? It's amazing when people say yes, especially if you cook food. You don't need a pastor. You are the pastor. You don't need a degree. You don't need a master's. You don't need a doctorate. You can do it. And see, it's when the church does that, it's when the church says, I'm not waiting on that stinking pastor to do something. I'm going to do it. I'm going to be the answer to the problems in this community. That is when... The church transforms the community and lives. And then the fourth mark of the way is accountability. You see, they leave this word out of the discipline because it's a scary word. Because, you see, we don't want other people meddling in our business. Because it's my business. You have no right to know or care or anything about what's going on in my life. Yeah, we do. Because we love you. Because we care for you as a fellow follower of Christ, that it hurts us when you stumble and fall. We don't want to see you falling into sin. And so we come alongside you and we say, what can we do to help you? Did you do you see that you're doing this? Do you see that you're pushing people away or the words that you use are, are hurtful to people? But how do we react? We get defensive and we push people away and we say that you're judging us. Well the funny thing is we in the church like to use this thing we like to throw this out and say you can't judge me only God can judge me. Well the thing is if you look in the 1 Corinthians Paul actually says that the people who judge the people inside the church are other members of the body of Christ because they hold each other accountable. Jesus says in Matthew 18 The title in my Bible sums it up perfectly. Dealing with sin in the church. Jesus says, if your brother or sister sins, go and point out their fault. Go and point out their fault. Not, go tell your neighbor about what you just saw your other neighbor do and spread it around town. No, go and tell them their fault just between the two of you no other neighbors, just between the two of you. If they listen to you, you have won them over. But if they will not listen, take one or two others along so that every matter may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. Because if two or three people say, well, this person's just refusing to understand and see that what they're doing is wrong now you've got two or three people with you saying yeah they're not, they're not listening if they still refuse to listen tell it to the church treat them or I'm sorry and if they refuse to even listen to the church treat them As you would a pagan or a tax collector. This is a fellow member of the church, someone who is a part of the body of Christ. If they refuse to listen to the church, it's not about being about gossip and saying, hey, look at this person. They're a horrible person. Look at the sins that they have done. It's not about that. It's about saying, brother, we love you. And we don't want to see you fall like this. We don't want to see you ruin your life in this way. We want to come alongside you as the body of Christ. Not judging you, but loving you through it. That's what membership in the body of Christ gets you. People who love you and are genuinely concerned about you. Notice that it does not say that they're no longer welcome in the church. It does not say that you cannot attend church. It does not say that God no longer loves that person. It doesn't say that you no longer love that person. What it's saying is no longer treat them as someone on the inside of the group. They're outside the group now. They're out of your control. They're out of your reach. Love them. Care for them. Welcome them back with open arms if, if and when they come back. But now when they sin, we don't bring them before the church. We pray for them and we love them. This is just the beginning of what the diagram looks like. Because it's not just baptism, faith, and accountability and discipleship that make you a member. There's more to it than that, and we're going to unpack it because it's way too much for everyone to understand and get today. I'm still trying to wrap my mind around all of it. But what if membership actually became what it was supposed to be? How would that change the church? How would that change our understanding of why we're here? We're here for each other. We're not here for me, but us. The body of Christ, living as disciples of Christ, to transform lives for the kingdom of God.